This is Tips on the Top Flight, episode 914 for August the 24th, 2022. Tips from the top. Hello, you people from the internet. It's Chris. I'm back from the Eastern Europe photo road trip scouting tour, which is now making the weirdest acronym ever. Anyway, <laughs> if you haven't watched my my scouting vlog, I think I still have two to release. Um, then what are you waiting for? tfttf.com slash scout takes you right to the YouTube playlist. Yeah, so... Um, this has been awesome. This has been so awesome. Even though I, <laughs> I returned with pink eye, um, I hurt. Um, yeah, but it, I think there's way too much air conditioning. It was really warm. It was uh, 32 Celsius most of the days. It's like 90 Fahrenheit. So yeah, the, the driving as it was a lot of driving. Um, I think I wanted it a bit too comfortable and the air condition was blowing in my face and that's how my eye got infected. It's almost over though. No, 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 don't pity me. No, don't pity me. I brought this on myself. Um, yeah, so it was it was awesome. Prague was amazing. The the the, the city, I, I just love the city. The center a bit touristy, yes, yes, yes. But um, especially like on the, on, the, on the main square around the astronomical clock which is one of the last astronomical clock i think the only one still in operation um which is yeah <laughs> i've seen it and it's the whole space is a pickpocket pickpocket paradise so there's so many people there but that doesn't mean that prague isn't awesome there's so many other places and uh, secret spots and things that um, are, are going to make this wonderful. The Prague part, um, especially some views from like higher up uh, over the bridges and things. There's like a ton of bridges. And if you catch those at the right time of day, it's, it's just going to be beautiful. So I loved Prague. And then I um, uh, I didn't go to Vienna because, again, I know Vienna quite well. So I know where to go there and what places work well at what time of day. And uh, I have then I continued then to Budapest. And Budapest, I've never been to Budapest before. I've seen pictures, and but just being there, wow! Budapest is amazing. It, yeah. Um, you know, I love Vienna. Budapest is a bit like Vienna, but more Eastern. And yeah, the 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 whole the whole castle, the Buda Castle district on the on the hill, uh, overlooking. The Danube River, the Parliament Building, and things. The Parliament Building in itself, I mean, it, yeah, it's ama- it's ama- it's just amazing. Um, but then the, the city in itself um, went to the market hall. Wow, I'm a I'm a fan of markets. On all the previous photo tours, I always try to make sure there is some market involved because that's where you see actual people doing actual work you have a lot of variety of photos to take the pictures the the market stands are like colorful with uh, here's fruit there's paprika there's uh there's sausages there's like it's i love it i love it i love it i love it so uh, budapest yay awesome and then i continued on into um well first of all uh, into uh into um Hortobash National Park. Still not sure if I'm pronouncing this well, but um, it's a it's a it's a it's a big lake area with at least 
at certain times of the year. I'm not sure we're going to hit those exact times because it's not a birding workshop, but there's lots of birders uh, going there to shoot um, birds. But um, it's a beautiful, like almost like a rest stop for a day. You know, you can you can uh, sleep in. It's nice. It's quiet. It's in the middle of nature. Really nice lodge there. So um, that's probably where we're gonna stop for uh, after after having been to Berlin and Dresden and uh, Prague and. Uh, and uh, Vienna and Budapest, uh, we we might need a bit of a break there for half a day, um, and then continue into uh, Romania, into Cluj, and then from there to the center of Romania, to Transylvania. So um, I met Henry there, and uh, we've recorded a vlog together in the car. Um, it should be probably out by now, if not. Again, tfttf.com/scout, um, where I talk about the. Like like Transylvania in general, and a bit about the fortified churches. There's 150 or more old fortified churches in uh, in Transylvania, and oh, we want to see a few of those. We've visited a few of those. We've um, got some great videos, some great images. So uh, you'll see this on the scouting vlog. Anyway, I'm back. I'm getting rid of the pink eye, and I. I'm gonna open today's episode 914 of Tips from the Top Floor. Enjoy. Do you remember One Hour 1000 Picks? It's an ebook that I wrote eh, 2014, I think. So that's like eight years ago. And uh, it was about the. Uh, the, well, speeding up your Lightroom workflow, pretty much. That's the subtitle. Supercharge your Lightroom workflow. And um, I used to sell that. And that was, again, like 100 years ago. And it was, um, it, it helped. I mean, I'm looking at photography, at optimizing your photography, at improving your output. Um, it's a two-prong approach. The first one is, well, learn to take better photos. If you take better photos, you won't have to take as many of them. And then um, your quality your quality to output ratio or your quality to input ratio uh, is, is better, pretty much. Very <laughs> simple. And then the, the second prong is whatever you you're, you're left with, the thousands and thousands of pictures that you've taken – um, if you learn to effectively manage those, sort them, rate them, um, keyword them, uh, edit them, bubble up the good ones, um, then th that's going to be a, a total package, right? The input and the output. And that ebook is about the output, about the uh, paring down the output to the necessary. And that ebook. <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, is still around, unchanged. Um, well, first of all, I, I never got around to updating it, but then also I never really saw the need to update it because it was... Uh, apart from a few minor things that Lightroom has changed, Lightroom hasn't changed that much in its in its uh, basic uh, tool set, in its database management, asset management tool set. So... Um, yeah, and that's what this book is about. It's also about getting yourself into the right mindset to, yeah, to to not fret too much about deleting pictures because 
that is important. And it, it suggests a method to get yourself in that mindset um, and to be really, really sure about uh, if you delete a picture, it is worth deleting. It's not worth keeping. And uh, being safe about that is going to help you get rid of the clutter and so on. And no, I'm not the Marie Kondo of photography because <laughs> there's still plenty of mess here on my system. But anyway, that ebook has been around for a long time and uh, the, the, the web page for it had fallen a bit into disarray. Um, one hour, 1000pics.com, one H-O-U-R, one, the number 1000pics.com. It is, um, and, I, and, I, and I keep receiving questions about where is it, where can I find it, can I still download it, I wanted to recommend it to a friend and so on. Um, and it, lately, I don't know why, but lately a lot more of these requests have come up. So uh, I fix things. If you go to 1hour1000pix.com, the link is in the show notes. Um, it is there for you. It's a free download. It just do with it what you want. It even comes with a with an MP3 of me reading it to you. So uh, it's short, 36 pages, and it's it has helped people. And I'm giving it away. So there you go. One hour, one thousand picks is free for you to download and use. It's still unchanged. I still did not update it, but hey, you will be fine doing that. All right, let's look at the news. Um, have you heard of Mojo Lens? I I heard about this back in April, and I initially uh, thought it was vaporware. This is from the AR realm of things, augmented reality. I will have a link to photography there for sure. Um, so Mojo claimed in April to build a contact lens that does augmented reality. And uh, like, it, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe that that is possible. Like put AR hardware into a contact lens. And then a short while ago, just a few weeks ago, Tested.com, that is uh, Adam Savage's uh, YouTube channel, they got access and uh, they had a look at it. And now it looks like much less like vaporware. And I was really surprised. So um, what they're building is, well, uh, augmented reality. It's, it's, the, the, it's a digital layer on top of reality. So you can place objects in reality. But for that, of course, you need a display to show it to you some way you need some sort of tracking as in um if you move your head you want the things to stay where they are in space uh you of course you need some sort of a cpu some sort of a battery and putting all that into a contact lens i th didn't think was possible well it seems that they are on the right track there uh, including building or developing their own miniaturized display that fits a contact lens. Uh, that thing is supposed to have an IMU, like a gyroscope thing, to help you track your head movements, uh, and a CPU, and a battery. Um, and I think they're using kind of a contact, like a medically approved contact lens package around it. There is such a thing, and they're building it into that, and... Yeah, just just the idea of I mean we are really close to getting like headsets from the big companies and uh just think about not having to wear a bulky headset and well for me I find this in, this is one of the things I find interesting and I'm sneaking in here 
Um, but I think it might be relevant to photography as well. I mean, just imagine taking a picture while you, you know having the information visible right there. Like you don't even have to put the camera to your face. You look at the scene and that could give you, I don't know, exposure values of that tree over there and that sky and the and the foreground without really needing the camera to do so. Um, you could even have the image preview that normally is displayed on a display on the camera being replaced by something virtual. Um, now, that's, of course, a bit, a bit of a narrow application there, but like just the prospect of being able to get rid of all the physical screens in our homes and replace them with the virtual ones, wherever you want them, and as many as you like, just or the ability to hang virtual photos on the walls um, and then have and swap them out regularly instead of like, you remember these photo, digital photo frames? Uh, yeah, just imagine as many of those as you like in the form of like an entire wall with your best photos that you can see with your, and everyone in your home could see with a virtual uh, AR device of sorts yeah and then you, you could do like virtual exhibitions um right now all that stuff is clunky it is already there you can do virtual exhibitions with vr but um that the tools i think will then follow up pretty quickly and then yeah just imagine you making your home into a virtual exhibition space i find that kind of cool to think about that anyway the link to that video is in the show notes all right, let's talk about um, XKCD. Do you know XKCD? <laughs> so um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cartoon, nerdy cartoons, um, stick figures and uh, witty stuff. And um, I want to talk about Randall Munro and one of his latest XKCD um, cartoons um, about deepfakes. Now, that's something that we have, we are dealing with um, here and there, we just had a case here in Germany with um, where a politician was kind of duped into an interview with a deep-faked guy from from the Ukraine. So um, that made a bit of a splash here in the news. So so that whole topic is, of course, VR, AR photography related in some way, at least image generated and video gener uh, video related. Uh, in some way, and um, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, say kudos to Randall Munro, the guy behind XKCD, because in his current panel or in one of his latest panels, um, he talks about uh, he, had, he he builds up several meta layers uh, on top of that whole deep fay technology. But uh, because he he says, um, well, there's two figures walking, and one says, thanks to deep fakes, soon we won't know what's real anymore video will become meaningless. Then the other person goes, I don't know, we've had Photoshop for decades and staged photos for centuries. It hasn't made photos meaningless. The bottleneck for fake stuff isn't technical. The bottleneck is, a will is the willingness to lie. People lying is a very old problem. It's a known exploit. And then the other guy goes, uh, comes back. I guess technically we've been able to make text deep face, uh, deep fakes for five thousand years. And then the second guy answers, maybe Eanazir's copper ingots were actually fine. So, 
<laughs> I I had to do a double take on the yeah, Nazir's copper ingots because I've never heard of them. So I I went to look things up. So first of all, um, I think the basic truth is, yep, technically speaking, um, the the willingness to lie is what has to come first, right? You can make deep fakes. You can have uh, I don't know some politician say something really horrible on camera as a deep fake, and uh, and they will be so good at one point that you will not be able to tell the difference. So, um, but of course, the willingness to lie is is the first step in that thing. And we've done that. We've we've faked things forever. There've been counterfeit uh, banknotes and, and and famous images and things. So that is kind of a given. But then, yeah, I I went down the rabbit hole of Air Nazir, Air Nazir's copper ingots. And uh, it turns out that that goes back to, um, let me bring up the Wikipedia page here. Uh, it's a complaint tablet that was found to someone called Air Nazir. It's a clay tablet that was sent to ancient Ur, written circa 1750 B.C., and it's a complaint to a merchant named Yanazir from a customer named Nani, written in Akkadian cuneiform. Um, I guess that's a, that's a sort of a, a written language. Uh, it is considered to be the oldest known written complaint. It is currently kept in the British Museum. So the story is that uh, Yanazir traveled to somewhere to buy copper and returned, and then returned to sell it in Mesopotamia on one particular occasion. He had agreed to sell copper ingots to Nani, and Nani sent his servant to complete the transaction, and then the copper that came back was uh, substandard, not accepted. So there's this old complaint letter. So that's why why the XKCD guy says, going back to the deepfakes things, maybe Anazir's co copper ingots were actually fine. And then, here's the thing. Uh, and here's, here's a hats off to Randall Monroe, because he tends to add a second or a deeper meta layer uh, onto the things. If you open his his um, then link is in the show notes. If you open his 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 comic strip and you hover the mouse over it, there's an alt text. It's like a built-in meta text that is normally used for like uh, like people with bad sight and other other accessibility related things. That's also used by search engines. And that one says, if if so what if, if so great a deductive mind as Arthur Conan Doyle can be fooled by the cottingly deep fakes, what chance do we mortals have? Soon our very reality will be dictated by the vict by, by the whims of Francis 9 and Elsie 16. So yeah, then then I went down the Cottingly deepfakes <laughs> rabbit hole because that goes straight back to photography, and it goes back to the Cottingly fairies, which um, back in let's see in the old nineteen around nineteen twenty um, uh, goes back to someone faking photographs with fairies. We're talking yeah nineteen seventeen. Uh, Francis Griffith's. Um, oh no, that's the girl. Anyway, I think um, their father or someone took pictures and made double exposures, and those double exposures show little fairies surrounding the girls, and that was a very early kind of a 
deep fake thing. So anyway, this is super meta and I was super excited. It really triggered the nerd in me in a very positive way. So yeah, that's what we um that's what we're dealing with here. Um Randall Munro, you're a genius. All right. This is the spot in the show where I orig- where I originally wanted to talk about Dali too. And especially about Dali 2 getting a diversity boost because that was one of the issues that um, that the system had, and it did. It, it's an issue that a lot of AI-related uh, generative systems have that they have a, 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 a bias towards things, and of course that bias comes from the data set that these things are trained on. So, for example, if you used to ask Dali for a group of doctors, it would spit out a picture of a group of male doctors, and if you asked for a picture of a group of nurses it would spit out a picture of female nurses because that is the bias in the data set and of course that has all sorts of impacts and what they did in uh, with dali 2 is they then added uh, i probably some form of prompt pre-processing so before your prompt your prompt a group of doctors goes into the, the 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 ai to create the picture it would add some more terms into it like female asian whatever racial things and uh, gender things and so on to make it more diverse and the result was that if you after um they changed that if you add add it uh, if you ask for a group of doctors it will would mix them up with stuff of course that would also end up giving you i don't know um uh, Traditional characters like, let's say, Mario um, <laughs> would give you would give you Mario's female Mario's and other things, which might not be your intention. And the the other thing it did, well, it got a bit of an uproar because it also kind of I and I appreciate that it kind of showed people their inherent biases because they were surprised by some of the results. And I think it's a good it's a good thing to show people to hold up a mirror in front of people and say hey by the way (laughs) you are biased because we all are anyway this is where i wanted to talk about this but then i left for eastern europe and pretty much a day before i left uh, stable diffusion came out and this was a biggie and i didn't really have time during the eastern europe trip to talk about it here because i pre-produced the last episode and so on so um and now what stable diffusion has has led to is it kind of made people not talk about dali anymore because uh, well let's what is stable diffusion it's kind of the same thing as dali like it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an an a trained neural neural network that can create pictures based on your prompt and the thing is they are open sourcing the model whereas dali 2 that's a very close thing even though the company is called open ai but they are anything but open <laughs> they they are they are certainly for profit so um what stable diffusion has done is they have created a model of they've trained a model that is as good as Dali, if not better in some respects, um, very, very powerful. And they are giving away the trained model, which is kind of where the whole or a lot of the a lot of the cool stuff sits. Um, and they are giving that away for free in open source. So the trained neural network is open source, which means you can 
you can run it locally at your own place on your own GPU. And uh, I think there's even a CPU mode, even though that is super slow. But uh, if you have a decent GPU and a Windows system or a Linux system, um, <clears throat> you should be able to to run that if you're inclined to do these kind of things. And you won't have to buy any pay anyone um, like OpenAI for image generation, um, which is, yeah, which is kind of wild because it has the potential to disrupt businesses like Dolly too um to before it before they're even kind of publicly available <laughs> so this is when I saw this like holy guacamole they also offer like a public service at beta.dreamstudio.ai like a for paid service because they of course have to run the GPUs and stuff for you um so you can sign up there I guess you can sign up there. Try it, beta.dreamstudio.ai and, and pay to use their resources. I think it's about 10 pounds for 1,000 image generations. Even though, depending on your parameters, if you want more generation steps and that kind of stuff, it goes a bit up. But um, it's definitely very competitive. And, um, and instead of keeping things under wraps like OpenAI does, and, and instead of messing with people's prompts to inject things for diversity and so on, stable diffusion is like it's more um, permissible. I mean, it lets you do more things, um, and it's also gonna be uh, it's, it, it will be in commercial applications. I mean, you, if you if you build software, you could integrate it into your software. Maybe you have I don't know a blogging system, and you could have it automatically generate the header images. Um, and there's, there's, I mean, it's, a, it's almost a given that that system, because they are virtually giving away the model, uh, we will see a lot of that integration in the future in all sorts of systems that need any form of imagery. Um, so yeah, I think Dali has been disrupted even before it was available to the world. And of course, the, uh, the, the, the art work for this episode comes straight from stable diffusion it is very powerful it is um it is more raw in terms of the prompts they are not being massaged as much as for dolly so uh you can try different things you can you can even keep doing the same composition but with a changed prompt so you could you could find you could you could have it render I don't know nine images of something and then you pick the one that has the nicest composition and then you keep iterating on that specific composition. So it is yeah it's stable diffusion is here to stay and they are they're now beginning to move into different fields such as music. So that is yeah that is uh, is exciting. Last but not least, um, I want to talk about vision. Computer vision. Again, not really that much into photography, um, but it's vision-related, it's camera-related, because um, there's a lot of systems now since AI has... AI has started taking off around 10 years ago. That was a big, big turning point in the whole field, and we're just now seeing uh, big results, um, at least in the mainstream. And uh, one of those things that is really, really heavily looked at in science right now is the whole field of vision and recognition of things. And there is 
Well, we are talking about autonomy and driving systems that need to be able to see what is a what is a, a, a trash can, another car, a pedestrian, a bicycle, and so on. Um, and those systems are, yes, there's LiDAR and there's radar and stuff, but vision is really a really important com component there. Some companies are even betting their entire uh, autonomous future on just vision. So we are looking at um, at what vision can do in the whole field of uh, image recognition. And there's a video that just came out a while ago. Um, there's a... Uh, we're looking at a, a drone that flies through a parkour. And if you have ever seen these kind of systems trying to whatever kind of a robot be it a little flying robot or a walking robot or a driving robot if you've ever seen these things in let's say the last 20 years uh, trying to navigate a parkour then you might have seen them fail a lot be slow take a long time to figure out where things are and what things are and then and then not <laughs> and then then miss a door handle and fall flat on their face and this kind of stuff um, it was always kind of humorous. Now, we're looking at something completely different here. Um, there's a drone that zips through a parkour, a three-dimensional parkour, at breakneck, spe breakneck speed, which the small drones can do. They're the FPV drones that are really, really agile. And um, it the drone does that. like it, it zips through holes and around poles and behind things and... It doesn't do this by by a pre-programmed path, but it does it by computer vision. So, just if you if you want to have an idea, if you want to get an idea where things are heading in terms of what we can do with cameras, this would be one of the things to look at, and then go, "Oh, <laughs> this is this is probably further along than a lot of people think." So, yeah, computer vision drone racing. And that was it for this episode of Tips from the Top Floor. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being subscribed. You are awesome. You can leave feedback for the show at tfttf.com slash hi. tfttf.com slash hi. And that includes writing, recording a voicemail, or attaching a file for me. And uh, the following listeners have done exactly that. Mark writes... Hi, Chris. It's great to hear TFTTF back with new episodes. A few weeks ago, I finally deleted TFTTF as a subscription for my podcast player. I knew you were busy doing other things and assumed that when there were more episodes, you would mention that you had restarted the podcast on TFOB or the tech guy, which I subscribed to. Did I miss those announcements? Um, to my surprise, I found five new episodes, so I'm back as a subscriber. The new format is different, but it's still interesting and enjoyable. I've not listened to TFOP 230 yet, but if you don't mention TFTTF rising from the ashes on that episode, mention it in the next. Hello, anyone there? The answer is yes. Mark. Yeah, I... You know... Uh, this is this is TFTTF is is kind of reborn now and uh, in a bit of a different format and I just needed to see if it's stuck if I could make this a regular thing again and now that I kind of know that yep that's not gonna go anywhere anytime soon 
uh, you will hear me talk about this on other episodes. So um, don't worry about it. It'll be public. And then, of course, waiting a bit also helps because then you have something to show for your for beating the drum somewhere else so people will see TFTDF and they'll say oh wow this has been going on and maybe um, that I don't know maybe that's a good thing and then Rich wrote um, hi Chris I had been waiting for you to publish another TFTDF I enjoy the future of photography too kind regards Rich thank you thank you so much and of course if you want to leave your feedback your own feedback go to tfttf.com slash Hi. You can follow Tips from the Top Floor on Twitter at TFTTF Photo. And if you can, please support the show at Patreon. Your continued support does make a difference and I really appreciate it. TFTTF.com slash Patreon. Alright, now go out and take amazing photos. Be extra nice to each other. And of course, happy shooting. <laughs>